Welcome to Dealmaker Diaries, where you hear directly from the dealmakers who you invest with. M&A, real estate syndication, and more. Strap in for unparalleled advice, wisdom, and insight from some of the world's best business minds with Don Thomas and G1C Group. Welcome, guys. We have a very informative show for you today, especially for our multifamily asset holders. If you guys are looking for something to greatly impact your bottom line, today's the show you want to be listening to. So we have Anselmo Torres III and also Kelly Stinson, AKA the Potty Princess with us today. So Anselmo created a software program called Leakware that helps multifamily properties monitor their water consumption and detect high consumption leaks. He's walked over 300 properties across 30,000 units performing audits and collecting data. Passionate about water conservation and sustainability and saving our most precious resource one week at a time. Kelly Stenson, also national sales manager at SAS, is passionate about water and energy conservation and the influence to improve our environment. Potty Princess nickname caught traction three years ago through her continued commitment of bringing awareness, education, and support across the country to multifamily property owners relative to the financial and environmental impact of of old toilets on their properties. In 2019, she saved multifamily property owners over $2 million on their water and sewer bills, coupled with reducing water consumption by just over 200 million gallons. By the way, that's enough to fill about 303 Olympic-sized swimming pools. So let's give a warm welcome to Anselmo Torres III and Kelly Stinson, a.k.a. the Potty Princess. Let's go. Hey, guys, welcome to the show. How are you guys? Excellent. Yes. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Clearly, Anselmo and I are are both on the same wavelength here, (laughs) answering at the same time, (laughs) drinking the same coffee. I know. Totally in sync, right? Yep. So, guys, so um, tell me a little bit more about um, Sustainability Solutions and how that works and what you guys do for your clients across the country. Absolutely. That's what we love to talk about and what we love to share. So Sustainability Solutions is also known as SAS, and we are a nationwide service provider focusing on reducing those water and sewer expenses 20 to 40% on multifamily and hospitality properties. And we do that through the installation of ultra high efficiency fixtures like your toilets and your shower heads and those aerators that are at the tip of your bathroom faucets as well as your kitchen faucets. Okay. Yeah, aerators. That's the first time I've heard that word. What exactly is an aerator? So, you know, on like your kitchen faucet or your bathroom faucet, there's that tip at the very end where the water comes out. Okay. That is called the aerator. And on most of the faucets out there, you can remove that aerator. And what we do is we remove that old, uh, inefficient aerator and replace it with a ultra high efficiency one. And what does that do? Does that control the amount of water that comes out at a time? Yes, on on most of these faucets and uh, in the bathroom and kitchen, you know, especially if it's in the 1970s, 80s, you're looking at anywhere from like 2.2 gallons per minute coming out of those aerators to down to like 1.8, depending on the age of that faucet. And we reduce it down to anywhere from a 0.5 gallon per minute to like a 1.5 gallon per minute. Okay. So the goal is is to reduce the consumption that's coming out, but not making it to the point where it's just dribbling out 
and you know making the residents frustrated with the the water coming out okay and um and a problem i bet most multifamily operators come up against because even just in my household i know when i wash dishes i usually the water's running the entire time i'm washing dishes yep so is, yeah. i mean do you guys see that in a lot of the places that you're trying to help or do you do that in your own home as well? <laughs> well, I, I like to think that both in summer and I practice the most sustainable <laughs> initiative at home, right? But we both have kids and, um, you know, we, you know, try to be the best mentors we can for our kids, but sometimes they get away from us and um, they, you know, they think they know better. So they'll, you know, run the shower for 30 minutes and still, you know, not even have opened that shower curtain to get in the shower. Um, <laughs> but, you know, you think about that on such as on a small scale, like which is the both of us. So you take that on a multifamily property where it might be, you know, a 50 unit or a hundred unit, or, you know, even larger, a 200 or 300 unit. And, you know, if you have that type of water waste that is occurring, you know, let's say just in 10% of those units and the owner is paying for the water, you are literally flushing money down the drain and having the ability to continue distributions to your investors, look for those innovative ways to manage your asset so that it cash flows in an upward manner year over year. This right here around water conservation is really the key piece. And, you know, I think historically, there's always been that stigma around water conservation it's, you know, a lot of individuals think, oh, that's, you know, the feel good for the environment. And while that is both of our, you know, personal platform, and we love to do that, you know, the, the negative stigma associated with that is that you're, you are going to be restricted, you're, you have less to work with, right. Mm -hmm. But with the type of technology that we use, and the analysis that that we you know, approach each of these properties with, we're able to reduce the water inefficiencies and be able to boost those asset values and boost the cash, the cash flow. And I think you mentioned a great point too earlier is, you know, uh, you do leave the water running while you wash dishes, right? right. So I have been on almost 40,000 units across multiple properties in different states. And, and one thing that I've realized is it's incredibly, almost impossible to change human behavior, right? So the best way to impact that consumption and that water and sewer expense is not by asking your residents to, hey, I know you like to wash dishes and leave the water running, but please stop. I think the best way to do it is, hey, we're going to change your aerator so that even though you are going to leave that water running while you're washing dishes, at least you'll be using less water during that time that it's on. So that's that's our focus is to uh, not necessarily change human behavior, but change what they're actually using to consume that water. So through those toilets, showerheads and aerators, I think that's going to be the greatest impact on that water and sewer expense line then you know, asking for a resident to change their behavior. Definitely. Okay. And how do you know if a property is using more water than it should when you're, when you're analyzing or walking a property? I love that question. You know, what we have found is a lot of operators out there will just look at the total bill like the total financial component of the bill. And they might divide that by the number of units on the property and, and compare that with a sister property in the area. But the thing that most often we're not evaluating is you know, some of those variables, like is there irrigation? Is there a pool? What's the occupancy look like? Um, what type of residents do you have? Do you have mostly healthcare residents? Do you have mostly shift workers? Because some of those patterns are going to change. 
So what we like to focus on is the actual number of gallons of consumption that's occurring on the property. And that's one of the reasons why we we request to take a look at some of the water and sewer bills for each of the properties we evaluate is not just for, um, you know, comparing the, the rate structure to the published rate structure from that utility provider, but evaluating, you know, hey, if, if this property is 100 units and, you know, they're using, you know, 800,000 gallons of water per month, that's a lot of water. And, and we know that that's a lot of water because in a, you know, in the average consumption pattern of, you know, each of us across the country, the EPA states that we will use about 66 gallons of water per day. So is that's that, how- Is we, that per household? Sorry, is that per household that, that number that's, you're quoting? That's actually per person. Wow. Okay. Yep. That is per person. And um, the average number of residents per unit on multifamily properties across the United States is 3.1 residents. And that's a great average to use because if you're evaluating a property and you know you have the different unit mix of one by ones, two by twos, um, you might have some three by twos in there. Using that that average of 3.1 residents is a good variable. And, and we can adjust that as, as we walk through financials with our clients. Okay. All right, so that's a good segue. So your clients, so how do you get SAS involved? With, I mean, when you're approaching multifamily operators, are, are you approaching, I assume you're approaching the general partnerships or the owners, how, how are you doing that? We are. So we are actively reaching out to owners and investors um, through trade show events, through conferences, through even cold calling uh, or connections via LinkedIn, just to educate them about water conservation and the financial impact that it can make on, on their asset. So we are reaching out to them. A lot of uh, owners, investors actually reach out to us uh, one, because they have that pain point of a, just a really high water and sewer expense that they're looking to get under control or just get ahead of, or they're looking to make an offer on a property and they notice that the water and sewer expense is really high and want to include water conservation in their value-add plan. So uh, there's a lot of different ways that we reach out to owners, investors, connect with them, it's always nice when they reach out to us for help uh, because we know that they have a pain point that we can help out with. Uh, but yes, always reach out to us. And if, even if you're underwriting a property and you want to know, would water conservation help? Uh, reach out to me and Kelly uh, just with the basic information, like the property name, the address, and the unit mix of that property, we can put together a very conservative pre-proposal for you that gives you a high level of overview of, hey, this is what water conservation would cost. And here's what we're estimating in year one savings, as well as what that asset value boost would look like. Okay, and, and I would think it would be a no brainer to any property owner or investor after I mean, after going over the numbers and hearing what you guys have to say, I mean, is, is that usually, is it usually an easy sale once you articulate your proposition to, to the clients? So I, I kind of have to say it really, it's a 50, 50. So um, we have experienced a whole gamut of, you know, investors that we work with across the country. And most often um, when we engage, a, a sponsor has, has never uh, implemented any type of water efficiency program. They look at the numbers that we give them and they're like, there's no way. And that's part of why we take so much time to educate and actually back into the numbers down to, hey, if, if we're sharing with you that we're going to reduce that water sewer expense line by $58,000 in year one, 
I'm going to show you how we got to that down to the number of minutes per resident that they're taking a shower, the number of times that each resident is flushing the toilet. So if they want to modify that a little bit, they, they can. But to Anselmo's point earlier, we take a very conservative approach on this. And once they understand and they get comfortable with the numbers and they're educated, then they believe in it. And then once it's installed, once we come in and we remove all those inefficient fixtures and we install, what we get quite often is the first month they receive their water sewer bill and we'll have that conversation with them like, hey, you know, just want to measure this. How does this look? And then they're like, it looks great. I can't believe it. But I want to look at the next couple of months and see if this is really going to continue. And of course, it does continue at that reduced consumption. Uh, and we had a perfect example earlier today. We have been working with an individual um, who um, is investing in properties throughout the United States and um, has been has been engaged with this in dialogue over the last year, probably just over a year, maybe a year and a half. I think we met him about a year and a half ago, but we just weren't ever making any traction with him. And so then about three weeks ago, we had an opportunity to engage with him on another property um, where we, we didn't know he was going to be there. Um, and we were walking a property and he was there. And so as we were walking along on the property, we identified that the reason why he hasn't embraced the water efficiency on his properties is because he, he doesn't understand how to calculate the financials. And we're like, well, that's what we're here for. We can help, help you back into that. And then today, we uh, we saw some dialogue where we had some dialogue where he sees it and is like, yes, this this is working. This is going to be a huge asset value boost on our property. So um, it's it's education, and that's that's our biggest you know piece of adversity that we face. But that's also our biggest gift that we have to offer back in the field is education. And I, I like to use a dating analogy when I say, hey, this is our ideal customer and this is where you're going to get the greatest ROI. So if, if this were a dating website and and you have a property that's built in the 70s or 80s, so class B and C property um, that has never had any major plumbing upgrades, then that is our ideal customer. You're going to see the biggest return on that. You're going to see close to like a 40 to 60% return on your investment. Um, we want to swipe right on those all day. So if those are the types of properties that you have and you are experiencing really high water and sewer expenses, we want to engage with you quickly on those. Okay. So yeah, that's interesting. So the properties my group and I usually look at are value add and they're usually B minus or C properties. So let's say a toilet, for instance, how does a toilet impact NOI asset value or, or cash flow? Wow. Great. How long do we have? <laughs> <laughs> Great. So the toilet is actually consuming 24% of the total water consumption on the property. That's a lot. And here's another piece to think about. And then I'm gonna share with you a, um, a financial example because I, I love that piece. But um, we find that some operators will prefer just to change out the shower heads and the aerators on the property because when they feel like that's um, a minimal investment, and it's also the least invasive install for them. And because nobody likes installing toilets. I mean, it's, it, they're heavy. You're dealing with plumbing, the unknown, but that, that's why we're here. I mean, our, that's what our crews do day in, day out when they're knocking out 50 to 60 bathrooms a day. Um, but if you take like a 200 
uh, unit property. And let's just say that, you know, year one, and let's say that 200 unit property is in Atlanta, because the Atlanta market is super hot market. We're going to reduce that water and sewer expense line $50,000 in year one by replacing the toilets, the shower heads, and the aerators. And then if you calculate that, you know, at let's say a five and a half cap, that's almost a $1 million asset value boost. Amazing. That's huge. And so if, if you're holding the property for five years, you get that, you reduce that water sewer in year one, because the analysis we're providing is year one projections. So in order to get that asset value boost, we need to see a full, a full trailing 12 months of the reduction in the expense. What if you refinance the property at year three and you were able to have a $1 million asset value boost because you changed out the toilets? And a, a lot too is, you know, on those types of properties, that 70s, 80s, early 90s, uh, it's not uncommon to see a 3.5 gallon per flush toilet on these multifamily properties. That's a lot of water. And that's what it was rated at when it was installed at 3.5. You know, I would love to say I'm as efficient as I was 20, 30 years ago, but I'm not. So those toilets aren't either. They're aging gracefully. Yes. Those toilets aren't as efficient as they were back when they were installed. Uh, we replace it with a 0.8 gallon per flush toilet. So you go from a 3.5 gallon per flush toilet that wasn't efficient to a 0.8 that is now uh, super efficient and no flapper. It's going to make a huge, huge difference on the amount of water being consumed on that property. So, um, so take, like you said, a 200 unit property and you want to go ahead and implement a total sustainability water conservation program, how much would that, what would be the cost of something like that on average? About 57,000 for a I mean, full term, for a full term key. So that includes all the labor that includes all of the material that is our analysis. But in addition to that, before the installation even commences, we will complete what we call a full assessment where we're going to access 100% of the units and we're going to document the fixture rated flow rate of each of those toilets, shower heads, and aerators. So we can create that actual baseline of where you are today on flush rates and flow rates and where are we going to transition you to. In addition to that, we're documenting any of those front of the wall leaks. Because if you go in and you invest all of these great upgrades on your plumbing fixtures, but you don't address you know, any of those additional leaks, you're still leaving some money on the table that you're able to deliver back to your investors. And you know, with all of those units that Anselmo's walked over the years, think what, what are the two top leaks that you typically see now? The toilet flapper was consistent, right? We would always see that come across that uh, either it was noticeable or it had that silent leak where that flapper, which typically has a lifespan of two years. And if it doesn't get replaced, uh, you start to see that slow creep in your water bill because that flappers, uh, those flappers start leaking. So it was either the flapper on the toilet or the tub diverter in your shower. And the tub diverter is that, that piece that you pull on to engage the shower head. Uh, a lot of times we would come across units where either it was just running consistently without the shower even being on, which is a huge problem. And the other issue is even if you had the shower on and engaged, that water was still coming out of that tub diverter and it wasn't just coming through the shower head. So even if you put this really uh, high efficient shower head on, you are still losing a lot of water if you don't get that tub diverter addressed. So between uh, those two alone, those were the, the, I guess, the biggest culprits of water loss that I came across uh, on these units. 
Okay. And then what kind of, um, so what kind of, and, and, and just by the way, that cost seems minimal looking at the savings you're going to achieve yeah. over a five to seven year hold. I mean, I thought it would be much more than that, but yeah, that's, I mean, that $57,000 is money well spent, especially if you do it upon acquisition during your CapEx, it seems like it would just be, yeah, why wouldn't you do that? Yep, exactly. And most of our projects will yield an, an ROI of 12 to 14 months. So you know, when we share that this is seriously the fastest return on your CapEx and your business plan, we have you know the actual case studies that, that show this. So yeah, and I was going to ask, have you seen, I'm, I'm sure you have seen the increase in water usages um, in the past 18 months with so many more people working from home. It must just be astronomical, the increase you've seen. Absolutely. So uh, we've seen it. Uh, we saw once, I think March hit, we saw about a three to five times increase in water consumption on multifamily properties. So not a percentage increase, but three to five times increase in consumption. Because like you mentioned, people were working from home. They had nowhere else to go but stay in their unit. And when residents are, you know, on average, a resident uses the bathroom three to five times a day. So now they were using all of that in their apartment. Uh, so now we, you know, we, and that it was a kind of a blessing in disguise when, you uh, owners and investors started seeing this three to five times increase. Um, they also started looking at, hey, you know, rent increases are a little bit iffy right now. We don't know what's going to happen over the next couple months. So we got to take a closer look at that expense line and see how can we reduce that expense. Uh, so because of that three to five times increase and then more attention on that expense line, we started getting engaged with more and more investors, owners that may have never thought about water conservation in the past. Uh, so it was a great point. You know, we saw it, uh, we work with owners and investors across the U.S. that saw it and needed help reducing it. Okay. And guys, what, what kind of properties does water conservation have the biggest impact? Is it hotels or multifamily or retail? What, which kind of properties are you, are you seeing that it helps the most? Anywhere where there are inefficiencies is where the biggest impact is, is going to be. Our core business that, um, that we spend the majority of our time with is, is going to be multifamily. And, um, and then, of course, hospitality. And hospitality is, is coming back online. But, um, but that is a, you know, that's a piece that we've done quite a bit of work on. Um, that anywhere where there's a lot of utilization, you know, every single day of the week. And we have found in a lot of the utility districts out there across the country that these multifamily properties in within that utility provider are typically you know, the consumers of more than 40% of the total water consumption in those utility districts. So, Multifamily is really a big piece. And, you know, as we had touched on earlier about, you know, those properties that were built, you know, before 1995, those value-add, those Class C, those Class B, um, were one of the projects we're working on right now was actually built in 2006. Mm -hmm. Yeah, built in 2006. And they're changing out the, the toilets because they see all of the benefits. Of, of improving this. I mean, it is seriously putting money back in your pocket. So yeah, speaking to that, so 2006, I mean, I don't want to date myself, but I, for me, when I think about that, that's not so old. So how, how often should owners, investors, or GPs be switching out their, their water, water units? They should, they, everybody should be taking a look at what is the consumption pattern on our property? How much consumption is occurring? Is it occurring on a seasonal basis? Is it consistent um, and engages? And we can help 
walk each of you through that as to, you know, hey, this property is in really great, you know, water health. And, you know, our recommendation might be to just do a unit walkthrough just to shore up any of those, you know, leaks that might be coming from the faucets. But if you think about it, that rubber flapper in the toilet, the flapper, um, the, the average lifespan on those is about 12 to 24 months. And at that point, the water is going to start to leak in that tank. And then over time, that leak is going to continue to grow. And we've seen this where uh, we've seen toilets that are leaking out in excess of a hundred gallons a day. And that's, that's a lot. So our recommendation is, you know, every, you know, every year, you know, go through those units, make sure that those toilets are operational, that you don't have those flapper leaks, but um, even better engage us and upgrade those types of fixtures because the toilets that we install do not have flappers. And that makes for a long-term, you know, protection around your asset and you're protecting against those leaks and those additional work orders. Okay. And um, so I'm sure you guys run across this question a lot. I mean, you have a lot of um, do-it-yourselfers out there. So if, if I'm a property owner or investor, why, why can't I do the work myself? The cost of time, uh, the cost of the time that it's going to take you to install that many toilets across your property to realize the savings. And, and trust me, we can do one, two or three. But if we have to do that consistently across multiple days, I am I'm not going to do it. <laughs> it is hard work. So our crews are typically installing anywhere from 50 to 60 toilets per day. Uh, right now, we have one crew that's installing 72 toilets per day, which is mind-blowing. Well, that's because that property was very well prepared for <laughs> with no key issues. When we shared with them where there were key issues during that assessment, they got that knocked out. So preparation's key. But can you imagine hitting 72 bathrooms a day? Yeah, and the yeah. property. And the project management on that too. So SAS handles the project management from start to finish. Um, everything from making sure that uh, your, uh, your residents are notified, working together with your on-site team. Uh, we do that full assessment. We, we have all the product shipped there on site. Uh, so because we project manage it, we take it off your plate. And your on-site maintenance staff has more important things to do like uh, any turns that they need to get ready for that next resident, um, then installing toilets across your property. So uh, even though it might make sense financially at the beginning to say, hey, well, I could do this much cheaper, um, you will quickly realize probably after one or two days, maybe I should have engaged SAS. <laughs> and, and we do get owners and investors that have, they tried that first approach. Hey, I think we can do this in-house. And because it was so challenging uh, from not only a product and a labor standpoint, but they engaged us on that next project because they knew we could do it quicker and faster and much more efficient. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I can see if you had maybe a fourplex or a duplex, it might make sense. But yeah, if you do have something that scales 100, 200 units, it's just the the aggression on your time is just not going to be worth that, I don't think. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. So I, I know we're talking about toilets, but how does, um, how about washer, washing machines? How, how much of a factor do those play on your um, water conservation? So our focus is specifically around um, the toilets and the shower heads and, and you know, those aerators. Um, but for those properties that do have, um, you know, in-unit washers or dishwashers, we always make those recommendations back to the owners that, you know, hey, you know, if you have an opportunity to upgrade those to high efficiency, um, you know, type of fixtures, then, then do it because, you um, you know, quite often those 
those types of appliances are going to age over time and, and they are consuming a lot of water. Not as much water as the toilets and the showers. So the toilets and the showers are the two biggest consumers of water on your property. Okay. And guys, if, if I'm a if I'm only a passive investor, why should it matter if the GP isn't doing water conservation? Great question. So um, with with this. Uh, this is how I look at it. Um, and, and I'm a passive investor myself. So what are those innovative ways that each of the GPs are doing on their properties to protect the cash flow in the event that everything else in the business plan falls apart? I mean, last year was a perfect example, right? How do you continue to implement the business plan? How do you improve those efficiencies? So, I mean, a great example is, you know, for many of those operators that closed on properties in the fourth quarter of 2019, or even closed in January and February of last year, and they were getting ready to implement phase one of their business plan, which was, you know, running the interior upgrades at turn, um, maybe doing, you know, the clubhouse renovation or, you know, pieces like that. And it just halted. And then all of a sudden you have challenges with rent collections and delinquency. And now we're over a year later and I'm still seeing a lot of business plans out there that are struggling getting back off the ground again. The one thing that has been very helpful is for those operators that are always, always, always educating, educating and looking for those innovative ways, whether it's water efficiency, whether it's smart technology, whether it's, um, you know, improved amenities, because so many of us are working from home now. And it's those pieces that are going to continue the cash flow and, and keep those investors coming back. And I like to also point out, I, I've never seen a PowerPoint presentation on a property that didn't include rent increases, right? We know that's, right. that forced appreciation can be accomplished two different ways, increasing revenue or decreasing expenses. So the PowerPoint or the syndicator or that operator that has a focus on reducing expenses, that's going to catch my attention, right? Okay, how are you going to reduce that expense? Because that is a great way to force appreciation, increase the asset value of that property. And are they doing it through water conservation? Are they looking at alternative ways to decrease that expenses through, you know, operational efficiencies? But uh, I would ask that question, hey, what are you doing to decrease expenses? Because if another COVID, God forbid that ever happens again, but if another COVID happens and we're not able to hit those rent increases, how are we decreasing the expenses. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah, excellent point. And guys, let's talk about um, someone who's implementing a rubs program right now. Is there a difference, or what is the difference, if any, between rubs and a water conservation project? So what we have seen um, is an increase in, in uh, properties implementing rubs. And that's for those, you know, listeners that are, that are not as educated on some of this stuff, the REBS is where we're allocating a portion of that water expense back to the resident. The idea, right, from the owner is that, hey, I just reduced part of my expense and now I'm asking the resident to become accountable for their water usage and what they're doing. But this ties back to what we touched on in the beginning. You can't necessarily change your resident's behavior. And then also, if you've equipped that resident with inefficient fixtures, how do you expect them to manage that consumption? Okay, so 
while I think that implementing REBS is a fantastic idea, the number one piece, though, should always be evaluating the efficiency standards on the property first, making sure that those residents are set up for success to embrace your new program so that they renew their lease and not leave the property because you're asking them to take on an additional $15 a month um, because they do. They move for $15 a month out of pocket. They'll go to the neighboring property. So get them involved and then they'll embrace that when they see that you're making those investments to, you know, to improve the property, to set them up, then they're going to be more apt to, to engage on that. But, you know, many, many operators will just implement REBS and just go, okay, that's it. We shifted the expense and now we have this income line. But again, if, if you have a neighboring property that, that is innovative and they've implemented a water efficiency program and they've reduced that expense line, you know, 40, you know, 50%, we've seen that plenty of times, then that REBS allocation may not even be there anymore because that expense is so low. So how do you stay competitive in the market? Educate and, and call us because we'll help, we'll help model that. Um, we're making a recommendation right now with a property in South Carolina where um, currently it has rubs. Um, they, when they close, they're going to implement water, uh, a water conservation program. There was a little bit of, um, of concern of reducing that water and sewer expense, because in turn, it's going to reduce how much they're rubbing back to the resident. So that impacts the income line, right? So we modeled it with them and we worked through a solution where they're actually going to remove the REBS program entirely. They're going to increase the rent mid-lease. And um, because, and they're, the reason why they're able to increase the rent mid uh, mid-lease is because they're removing rubs and the total out-of-pocket for the resident is going to be less. And then at year three, they're going to refinance the property um, because it, it's a bridge loan and, or sorry, year two, they're going to refinance the property because it's a bridge loan. And then they're going to implement rubs back in. So not only are they getting a rent increase um, because they've removed rubs implemented water conservation, but now they're in, you know, year three, as they roll after the refi, they're going to add an additional line of income and improve that asset value even more. The majority of, of the properties too, that we do projects on have rubs established on the property. And the reason why that owner and investor is reaching out to us is because the gap between what the uh, resident is paying and what the owner is paying is continuing to increase, right? So more money that's coming out of the owner's pocket, they are reaching out to us say, hey, I, I need to get to the bottom of this because I'm tired of paying more money uh, month over month on this water and sewer expense. So tell me about you know, water conservation, how we can reduce that expense through the installation of ultra high efficiency toilets, shower heads, and aerators. Okay, yeah, good stuff. And Kelly, so tell, tell me a little bit about how you became, how did you become known as the potty princess? <laughs> I get that question all the time. So first of all, I did not come up with that. Um, I did not coin that phrase. Um, it actually started just as a joke with a colleague. We were at the Texas Apartment Association trade show a couple of years ago, and my colleague was introducing me to uh, some of his clients, and um, he's you know, he likes to uh, call himself a comedian. So he thought it would be funny to introduce me as, hey, you need to meet my friend Kelly. She works over at SAS. She's the potty princess. And, um, and everybody laughed because it is. I mean, it, it just is like, really, did I hear that? 
and then you know with with the multifamily channel it is a it's very much a family environment a team sport and it's closely connected and so as i started you know, maneuvering through these different networking opportunities, I would run across some of these same individuals I had met and they were like, I don't remember your name, but you're the potty princess. So that actually worked out in our favor because last year when we had to come off of the road, because we were constantly going everywhere, it was, how are we going to continue to push content and stay recognized? And that's where we really promoted hashtag the potty princess. And um, now I just kind of joke about it with my kids because my 16 year old is so embarrassed, but my 12 year old thinks, thinks that, you know, we're celebrities because we're on YouTube and podcasts all the time. So, (laughs) so, I mean, I'll, I'll take, I'll take that. Right. But that's, that's, exactly how it started. I wish I had a better story, but, um, you know, that's, that's the grit behind the glamour. <laughs> and branding has been so important, you know, there, cause there's nothing sexy about toilets, shower heads and aerators, right? There's nothing sexy about the job changing out. There's nothing sexy about it. So how do we, how do we stand out? You know, because there's, there's all these other ways to, you know, spend money on a property, Kelly's owned it. She has owned the potty princess title. And again, like she mentioned, there's some people that don't remember her name, but they do remember the potty princess. And especially when uh, I've met several individuals that don't uh, know anything about us, but they do remember the potty princess. And I am fortunately the guy that works with her. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that name definitely sticks. Yeah, it's it's been fun, and I'm I'm a numbers nerd, so I think that that's part of really what's coupled in with with the branding behind it is we can back into the numbers, and I talk about that day in day out. Okay, and and Selma, can you tell me a little bit more about um, LegalWare? So that that's actually how I kind of got engaged with SAS Sustainability Solutions. So my background was um, about six years ago. We were uh, a friend of mine owns a property that typically was the water bill was like eight thousand dollars a month, and it jumped up to eighteen thousand a month. And uh, he do- he doesn't like spending ten thousand dollars on a water bill when he would much he has much better places to put it. Uh, so we decided to come up with a uh, let's we developed a software to help monitor. Uh, the water consumption on multifamily properties. So uh, it allowed us to, not in real time, it was daily, we could uh, monitor the water consumption and and at least get ahead of it before the water bill came. So if we noticed any increase in water consumption on a multifamily property, the alert, the teams, the onsite teams would be alerted so that they could get ahead of it trying to find that leak uh, before the water bill came. So it was just a a water uh, monitoring program to help multifamily investors, owners protect that asset long-term. Because of that, I realized, hey, I think SAS is doing some fantastic things. I think there's a great opportunity for us to work together. And that's how I got involved with uh, sustainability solutions. Okay. Okay. Very cool. All right, guys. And what I always like to do is, Put, put my guests into a lightning round to kind of get a feel for their perspective on life and other things. So let me ask, I'm going to ask you guys some questions and either one of you guys can, you know, grab any question that you think you can answer well. All right, let's do it. All right, so um, what book or books have greatly influenced your life? So I'm going to start off uh, uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad kind of really uh, changed my perspective on finances and just in the last two, three years alone. Um, so that one from a financial, uh, from a like investment standpoint, uh, and I, I don't think I've ever mentioned this book to Kelly. So Reign of Gold is another book that I probably read when I was 14, 13 years old. And it's just a, uh, I mean, I have never forgot about that book and I can't wait to share it with my kids. And usually I do recommend it to anybody else that's uh, looking to read a book. It's basically about a family 
uh, about a individual's journey from Mexico to the U.S. And uh, so that's those are the two books that I say. A Reign of Gold. I have to check that out. Yes, by Victor Villasenor is the author's name. Okay, thanks. Let me jot that down. All right, and um, how has a failure or perceived failure actually allowed you a greater success later? Oh, wow. So, you know, I mentioned it, you know, earlier, you know, the, you know, the grit behind the glamour. So um, our organization is, is a perfect example of failure and facing adversity and rebuilding. So, um, you know, I started with SAS about four years ago. We're a completely different organization today than we were four years ago. Um, the way we operate, the way we educate, and the way we start our day and end our day is completely different. Um, we used to be in a place where we were a very transactional partner. Um, the green loans with Fannie and Freddie at the time were very, very popular. And owners were required to implement water conservation programs. And if they did not, um, because they were lender required programs, if they did not, then they would be at, at, fault, at, at risk of defaulting on, on their green loan. But by implementing those programs, um, in exchange for that, the owner would receive a reduced interest rate. And so it made sense, but the owners did not understand the additional benefits to implementing water conservation. So as, um, and by the way, these Fannie and Freddie Green loans are still available today. Um, that loan product is not as favorable because the interest rates are so low. Um, but what happened several years ago is that the green loans just seized up. There was no more funding on them. And then the company, the organization was like, uh-oh, now what? And, you know, that's where we really found our platform because, again, as I shared, these owners and operators, they did not understand why they were implementing these programs other than, hey, my lender is requiring me to do this. So that's really, you know, how Anselmo and I have blended well together is because we found that way to create that educational platform and bridging that gap to bring these resources to owners as to the benefits of improving, you know, the properties and really taking to heart that impact investing. So taking that failure and that, oh my goodness, and then turning that to, you know, we we're just talking about the branding on the potty princess and, and having the opportunity to be here talking to you today and your audience is we we wouldn't be here if, if we just tucked it away and went to bed. All right, excellent, good stuff. All right, and I really love this question. So um, if you could have a billboard anywhere with any message on it, what would it say? Oh, God, oh, man, I, uh, I, I would just say life is precious. I mean, time waits for no one. Uh, you know, I, I was thinking about this uh, just recently. Uh, and man, it is, you know, understanding mortality. And the guy actually mentioned that at 43 is really the age where people start thinking about mortality a little bit more. I'm not there yet. I'm getting awfully close. <laughs> but it, it got me thinking about my own mortality, you know, and making sure that I, I take advantage of every day of every opportunity with my kids of, you know, every opportunity with every relationship. So, uh, you know, it's, I guess that's it. Understanding that my mortality is, is it's here. It's, it's getting closer and uh, taking advantage of every day. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. That's good. And, you know, I, somebody has asked this question before about the billboard and, 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 I agree with you. I really like this question. So 
um, when I was asked this question the first time, um, as a matter of fact, I think we may have heard it off of like a green lights podcast or, or something, but I put it up on my, on my whiteboard in my office because I had to think about it for, for like a good three or four weeks. Like what would I want it to say? And now I have come back and it's simple. I believe in me. And the reason why I would want my billboard to say, I believe in me is because we are our own worst critics. We are getting in our way of accomplishing the most, you know, fulfilled lives that, that we can have. What are the conversations that you're having with yourself? Right. So I believe in me and get out there and make it happen. I love that. Yeah, totally agree with that. Very good. Okay. And what is a, what is a habit or routine that you love? You know, I, uh, I just picked this up recently. Well, it's, it's actually been about four years. It's cold showers in the morning. Uh, it is, you know, it is challenging. Uh, it is uncomfortable. Uh, but uh, I'm maybe you know about Wim Hof and his methods about cold water. Uh, that's really I did like a 30 day challenge first, and and ever since then I've kind of embraced it. And you know, it's a it's an interesting way to wake up in the morning. Uh, it definitely wakes you up and invigorates you. And I mentally I feel like it's a small victory to start out my day. Yeah, definitely. I've actually tried that through through a program called 75 Hard. But yeah, definitely. I mean, yes. it, it definitely takes some focus, I think, and controlled breathing. But you're definitely right. right. It definitely definitely is a, a noticeable improvement on your day to day, I think. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. All right, cool. So and what what are bad recommendations you hear in your day to day? Oh, so one is that the resident is going to change their behavior on water consumption, right? Uh, You know, one thing that I I hear often is, hey, the resident is responsible for the the water bill. So uh, they're going to reduce their consumption. I have yet to see a property that has implemented rubs where the consumption just dropped. (laughs) Right. (laughs) What in fact, what I see is, you know, you've got that resident, uh, and unit 100 that is using less water than everybody, but then you've got the resident right next door who is leaving the water running consistently. uh, And it doesn't bother them because the resident 100 is paying for the water bill too. So they're just, there's no incentive. Yeah. So that's the biggest thing that I see. I would agree. I would agree with that a hundred (laughs) percent. Yeah, that behavior is a hard thing to to change. All right, and this is another one I like, one of my favorites actually. In the in the last five years, what have you become better at saying no to? Ooh, um, I I I know that I have become better at saying no to those that are going to pull me down. So we need to surround ourselves with the best team possible. And even when we're in the trenches, we need to be surrounded by those that are going to help lift us up and keep us going and celebrate those successes. So um, through the last several years, for, for me personally, I've had to make, you know, a significant shift um, with who I'm surrounded by. And while I have met some incredible individuals, I have made some phenomenal friends. I've also lost some friends along the way, but that was by choice, right? So I'm saying no to those that, that, are toxic. They are going to be the naysayers. And that goes back to Robert Kiyosaki's book, right? Um, You know, about changing your mindset 
and, and how we're approaching things. And, you know, when I started out as a passive investor, when I had first shared that in a conversation about some of the education that I was involved in and, and how I was investing in, in myself personally, um, the, the conversations that, and the responses that I was getting from even family um, and, and very close friends was so negative it made me doubt myself. And so I had to change that. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's definitely, you definitely want to have limited exposure, right? To those people who are draining your energy. Yep. Definitely. All right. And almost done guys. One, one or two more. So when you're, when you feel overwhelmed or unfocused, what do you do? I like to do exercise. Uh, any type of outdoor activity is usually, uh, even <laughs> there was one time, right, Kelly, I came into the office uh, and I just had this negative attitude. Uh, and I just, I was, I was just, you know, I just had this negative energy, this, and I could tell. So I, I, I walked into Kelly's office. I said, you know what, I'm going to go outside. I'm going to walk back in this door with a different attitude because the one I walked in with clearly is not going to work today. So, uh, and it was just me about, you know, refocusing, walking outside, just taking a walk real quick, getting that negative energy out and then walking through those doors with the, with a positive attitude. It was a do-over. It was a do-over, yeah. (laughs) And it worked. It did. Okay, very good. And last one, I, I just heard this question. I forget where I got it from, but I just added this to the round like less than a month ago. But it, the question is, what important truth do very few people agree with you on? Oh, that's deep. Oh, yeah. So I, I would have, I, I mean, I'm going to tie it back to um, what we're delivering on the financials on water savings. I mean, it is, it is absolutely mind blowing. Um, The analysis and the actual deliverables because post install, we still measure. And so we'll get into some of these conversations and, and I know, I know the truth because the data, the data backs the truth. And, you know, having those conversations, they're like, oh, no, that's not going to happen. That would be it. Definitely. It's the conversations around, does this work? And it does. It works (laughs) every day. (laughs) Yeah, I was actually thinking the same thing in the case of you guys. I would would think you probably get a lot like it it sounds too good to be true. Yep. All the time. Yeah. Get that all the time. (laughs) Because again, there's nothing sexy about it. You know, it's it's got that negative stigma, water conservation, tree hugging, all that. But mm-hmm. you start to show them the financial impact, and all of a sudden, uh, people look at it from a different lens. Different conversation. Absolutely. All right, guys. You you guys have given us a wealth of information, and I'm so glad you guys were able to take the time to come on the show. So before we hop off, if, if anybody wants to get in touch with you to talk about water conservation or collaborate, what's the best way for them to get in contact with you guys? We have a couple different channels. You can reach out to us through our website, which is sasconserve.com. There's a contact us button on there. You click on that, that hits my email box directly. Um, or you can locate me on LinkedIn or Facebook. You can just put in hashtag the potty princess. And what about you, Anselmo? I don't have a fancy hashtag or a cool one like that <laughs> because, but I'm all over LinkedIn. So that's the best way to connect with me via LinkedIn. Uh, my name is Anselmo Torres the third. All right. Excellent. Excellent. All right, guys. So again, nice talking to you guys. I'm so glad we had the chance to chat. And um, when I'm back in the States, I hope we can connect as well. Absolutely. Thank you for having us. Yeah, I look oh, thank forward you. to it. Thank you. Likewise, likewise. You guys take care. Bye-bye. There you have it, guys. 
another episode of Dealmaker Diaries in the Books. If you enjoy and or find value in what we're doing, please do leave us a nice review. It goes a long way in keeping the show moving in the right direction. For you investors, if you're looking for places to put your hard-earned capital to work, head on over to our website, g1cgrp.com, and sign up for our investor list to be informed of the different projects we're raising capital for that will provide you with the cash flow your investments so much deserves. 